Contestant number one. If you were to get a tattoo of New York 27 somewhere on your body, where would it be? Another? Well, I suppose if I was going to get a second one to go with the one on my chest, it'd be the, the one on my back. That way I have room to put the district on there. Although, knowing that the map of the district might change, I may have to get a little bit further south. Number two. I would get an iHeart27 tattoo on my eyelids so that when I go to sleep every night, I dream about the best damn congressional district in New York State. Okay. Contestant number three. I wouldn't get a tattoo of District 27. I would get a tattoo of rad right across my forehead. Welcome back to The Square, and gentlemen, love is in the air, isn't it? It is, man. I I'm, think so. I'm nothing but chalky heart candies right now. Ooh. Ooh. Those were like the worst. I mean, you would eat them because they were candy, and I'm fat, but <laughs> right, those yeah. were the worst candies. I think those are the worst candies. In fact, I will go out on a limb and say that candy corn gets a bad rap, and those no. chalky hearts get a fucking free pass. No, I, I disagree. Candy corn's the worst, and I'll eat chalky hearts. Because I'm a ne- Necco wafer guy. I am a Necco wafer guy. Um, I'll eat the chalky hearts. I do think candy corn gets a bad rap, but that's Correct. because I'm fatter than either of you, and I was, all the candy. Just give me ev- all the candy other than like, like black licorice. I only have to think about candy corn to get that candy corn headache. You know what I'm talking about? Top, roof of the mouth, headache type situation. Well, it sounds like you're just an inferior human being. Right. But. But I, I, I will say that I would rather eat the, the, the candy hearts over good and plenties. Ugh. I think we can all agree on that. No. I love good and plenties. Anyway, for people that matter. No, folks, we, you know, last week we had a lot of fun with Corinne. Uh, we had a good time talking. You know, we could say it was a bit of a slow news week. Uh, so we, we were just kind of goofing, and Crin was awesome. But this week is action-packed with stuff. Like, there is, the content mm. is flowing. Mm. The content gods are with us. There's so much to talk about the square this week. So, to kick things off, we're always thinking about the kids. Not in a weird way, just in a normal way. Um, Anyway, so Buffalo schools, phased reopening starting, I believe it was the week, last week, the 27th, Um, and it's a pretty big deal. You could argue maybe schools shouldn't be open in person at all. I know there's been a big push. Uh, Uh, This will be fine. Right. You can always have another. Rub some dirt on it. You could argue maybe that some of the biggest spreaders of COVID have been schools but it was a big deal and the buffalo news decided to address that with uh an article that basically was a screed against the teachers union yeah it was interesting that they they chose to be like 
So, I mean, they're always anti-union in the Buffalo News, but that they chose like, well, the schools are reopening. Here's why unions are bad. So from the Buffalo News, uh, this is an article. It was updated on February 3rd. Lawsuit on reopening is latest salvo from longtime Buffalo Teachers Union head. And it starts out, when Phil Ramore doesn't want his teachers to do something, he fights. The longtime president of the Buffalo Teachers Federation takes a tough bargaining position in contract negotiations and isn't afraid to turn to the courts to try to block a school district policy the union opposes. The lawsuit the BTF filed late Friday that seeks to delay Monday's planned partial reopening of Buffalo schools is only the latest example of many during Ramore's 40 years at the helm of the union. Ramore insists he is acting, as always, to best represent the interests of union members and the students they serve. So let me start here because before I even had any concept of like teachers unions or anything, I just knew that Phil Ramore has been catching strays in the Buffalo News for like all of my life. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm 41. He's been head of the BTF forever. And Phil Rumor just is constantly taking shots in the Buffalo News. Like, they're always coming after him, man. It, it, it always feels like every other article is some kind of, you know, some shot at Phil Rumor here and how combative he is. And never about the people who he's really combating, of course, but that just he's a combative guy. But uh, the news continues here. But critics say the union's legal battles are a strategy pursued at the expense of children in the district and their parents. Who are these critics? Oh, Jim. <laughs> if the Buffalo News were to name who the critics were, they would have to name who their funders were. Oh, oh, geez. I, I, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask questions. I should just read. You should just read the news. So despite the late court challenge... Buffalo schools are set to reopen to some students Monday as the districts and teachers unions union await a judicial hearing on the BTF's lawsuit. Um, the union's filing argues teachers, if ordered to return, are at a heightened risk of infection from COVID-19. True. Ramore said Saturday, the Federation has tried to work with the district to help make school buildings safe for teachers and their charges and took this step only out of necessity. And he says, it's not because we want to file a lawsuit and be obstructionist, he said in an interview. It's because we want to correct a problem. So, okay, like, yeah, we're in the middle of fucking COVID. <laughs> this is still going on. These teachers are at an insanely high risk being around kids and their families who, I don't know, man. It just is so nuts. I Here's how crazy it is being a teacher during COVID. I have a friend um, who shared anonymously on, on social media today, uh, who's a teacher, that in their school district, they're going to have to ask the teachers to explain to the kids not to lick the sneeze guards. <laughs> <laughs> not because they're going to get sick from disease, although that might happen, but because... They clean those multiple times during the day, and they'll get sick from cleaning products. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. I mean, there's a whole lot. This is a really long article. I'm not going to bore everybody with details. However, 
the Buffalo News does make sure to uh, get the opinion, Jim, of a certain former Buffalo school board member. Oh, who could this be? Who regularly clashed with Remora in the BTF. Who do you think that is? Uh, is it somebody we've brought up on the podcast in the past? Yes. Are they a Sith Lord? Oh, oh no, no, no. No, different Sith Lord you're thinking of. Oh, different Sith Lord. No, uh, think uh, terribly managing the Sabres. Oh, totally different Sith Lord. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Bass Pro. Yes, yes. They they let Larry Quinn weigh in on this. Uh, Larry Quinn, a Buffalo School Board member who, yes, regularly clashed with Remor in the BTF, said the reopening lawsuit follows a pattern favoring teachers at the expense of students and their educational needs. <laughs> favoring teachers. Thanks, Larry. The, the teachers who are who their job is to teach the kids, the teachers who regularly go out of their pockets to pay for school supplies for the kids because people like you have cut the funding for the schools so drastically, they are the ones being favored over the students and their educational needs. By their own union. By their own union. Yes. Guys, the bottom line is school sucks. All right? Yeah, fuck it. Just drop out, kids. Uh, yeah. Kids, just... You heard it here first. Yep. Like, go skateboard somewhere. Eat all the ice cream you want. Mm-hmm. Drink, do meth. Yeah. Anyway, this hatchet job goes on for a few more paragraphs, and <laughs> one of the things they noted was uh, illegal strike was literally a paragraph they had in this news article oh, brother. about how in 2000, Remor spent eight days in jail after he was convicted for leading an illegal one-day strike of Buffalo teachers. Now, you might be wondering, why on God's green earth is the Buffalo News going to such great pains to talk about Philip Remor's illegal strike in 2000 when they're literally fighting for some fucking sanity in the world of reopening the schools? That's the context, is that the teachers' union is saying, hey, maybe we should be a little bit smarter about this. And the Buffalo News is like, hey, remember this time this guy got thrown in jail? 21 years ago. Yeah, maybe we can have like a month or two to get our teachers vaccinated. Right? At least. Yeah. I mean, I I have teacher friends. I, I have another teacher friend who got their first vaccine today. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, is that so much to ask? Yeah, maybe it is. Jim, while we're on the topic of vaccinations and, uh, you know. Not, I don't have polio. Oh. oh. Yet. You don't have polio yet. Yeah, it's, I'm waiting for the, uh, the, uh, the, the vaccine-resistant polio to take over. Well, we're talking about vaccines here, Jim. What, what did our governor say? What did what did our fearless leader who who beat COVID remember and put out a whole book about it? Right. Uh, yeah, COVID's over. The we author. talked about it last week. Right. Uh, you know, he said something to the effect of it being a cheap, insincere discussion regarding restaurant workers needing vaccinations. Because mm. restaurant workers aren't frontline workers. I, I, other than they are i i hear the uh as far as like line cooks though they're in the top of like covid deaths 
you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's per- probably well, up there for other restaurants. To be, to be fair, stuff. as somebody who's worked in a kitchen before, and yeah. it's been a while since I worked in a kitchen, but f- cooks don't have a very long lifespan as it is. <laughs> They're not the healthiest group I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, you put this in sharp relief with the fact that he just came out and said, well, hey, uh, you guys can have weddings, and we're going to reopen restaurants for indoor dining and now restaurant workers getting vaccinated is a cheap insincere discussion Mm. now to add a little bit of context to this he did say because the supplies were so limited that basically you know we haven't even fucking vaccinated like the people over 75 effectively yet so we can't even be thinking about vaccinating restaurant workers so it sounds more like an expensive insincere discussion than a cheap one Yes. Yes. Well, and if that's the case, fine. Fine. You can't, we don't have the resources right now to vaccinate restaurant workers. We don't have the resources right now to vaccinate pretty much anybody who really needs it effectively. My counter to that would be don't fucking reopen the restaurants, dingbat. Yeah. Holy shit. Maybe. My God. What are we doing? This is just absolute insanity at every step of the way. I understand people are hurting. The economy's hurting. The The way to the, the way to do it is not to put people and just say, well, roll the dice. Fucking hope for the best out there. Right. I know. It's the way the way to do it is not to be like, well, maybe you'll die. Maybe you won't. Yeah. Good luck. Pat him on the ass. And All right. Yeah. Just, see him. Right. Like one every 50 of you will be in an induced coma. I hope you're one of the 49. I mean, the 49ers are not in the Super Bowl this year. You can't bet on the 49. (laughs) I I just can't believe that we're seriously talking about wedding halls being reopened and restaurants and indoor dining. And yet, God forbid somebody brings up the fact that, hey, uh, these people are literally front-facing, customer-facing every day, will be dealing with all of those assholes who have to walk in the door, who refuse to wear a mask, who fail to follow well, even any if, of these fucking like rules that who knows how much they help. They, even, they fucking refuse to follow those. Even if they wear a mask when they walk in. Look, when's the last time you, you went to a restaurant while you were standing, they took your order? They take your order when you're sitting down. And once you're sitting down, you can take your mask off. So, I mean, and again, as somebody who's worked in food service, people don't actually spit in your face, but they figuratively spit in your face while you're working as a, as a waiter. And they certainly breathe all over your goddamn head. Oh, absolutely. I know, I know Cuomo, I know Prince Andy took a big hit with losing the lawsuit and, Presumably, that's been the impetus for a lot of these reopenings and things. I get it. But at the same time, like, dude, at least have a little bit of awareness. Like, at least make an overture and say, hey, we're trying as soon as possible paired with this reopening. We're trying to make sure that we get all the frontline workers and the service industry workers. I don't know. Like, it's if you're going to lie to us, learn how to lie better. Don't come out here guns a-blazing telling us how stupid we all are and how smart you are. I I just can't fathom, like, 
where this guy's head is at, where he thinks he can tell people, Hey asshole, why would you even be concerned about, you know, some dipshit waiter getting uh, a vaccine at this point in time? Right. He's probably an actor. He's not a waiter. Right. <laughs> Go back to your off Broadway theater. Okay. <laughs> I No, it's, it's crazy to me. Like, that they they're not saying like oh well food service workers will be promoted towards the front of the line. Um, I mean we don't even know what like phase two of the rollout looks is going to look like and who's going to be involved in that anyways. But he could say like well we're going to move them ahead in the phases and who would nobody would be the wiser. We have no idea. They could be in the last phase and people and he'd be like well, we we actually had. A, a, a later phase for food service workers, but we move them ahead to this phase. And people were like, well, that seemed like a, a kind of a punitive thing, but I guess it's better now. Um, he could have said anything besides what he said, and it would have been better. So I think there was, I think there ended up being some major pushback to that. I think he did at the end of the day, um, I think restaurant workers, it, it ended up being something where they are going to be prioritized now is the the follow-up to that. Uh, I'm looking it up now. But I, I think I think he was bullied. So Andrew Cuomo is very funny in that way where he hates to be told what to do, but then he eventually kind of comes around on it, like just kind of sheepishly slinks his way back to it. So I think, I think we are, there was some movement on it, but my God. Like, have a little bit of fucking common sense. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, every time I see this stuff, I think about him putting out that book. How I Beat COVID. Wow. The old Mission Accomplished book. Mission All right, Jim, give me something funny. What? What's the funny thing, man? I, this is, I'm... I'm depressed on Valentine's yeah, we got, Day. We, 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 gotta, we gotta bring the mood back. Oh, oh, you know what? You know what's funny? To me, maybe it's. it's I, I'd like to know. Maybe it's rad to you. Wow, could be. It's it maybe. We'll could, see about that. Could be Buffalo rad. Okay, which means it's funny and rad. Yes, is the new vision for the Skyway. Mm. Oh. Yes. Now that is a thing that warms my heart this Valentine. Re for our listeners, explain what the new vision for the Skyway is. Of course, Jim. So, the Skyway, the. The roadway that we all know and love that takes us from the South Towns literally cuts through the heart of downtown Buffalo and our waterfront and, you know, gets you downtown maybe sometimes quickly, other times uh, pretty backed up, has recently been under scrutiny by Congressman Brian Higgins, among others, uh, looking to tear it down, looking to replace it, do something different, etc., but, but in WB, uh, sorry, WBEN recently had an article uh, on February 1st, a call to keep part of the Buffalo Skyway. So the cloud walk proposal should be considered, says Congressman Brian Higgins. So just after, just weeks after Governor Andrew Cuomo said the state was ready to break ground on Skyway removal. I'm sorry, it was Prince Andy. Who wants to get rid of the Skyway? Mm -hmm. The head of the campaign for greater Buffalo history, architecture, and culture says, hold everything. Tim Thielman of the campaign 
agrees that there may be reasons to abandon the Skyway for vehicular use. But he says there are parts of it that are urbanistically useful. Okay. All right, Tim. Let's hear you out here. The campaign wants part of the Skyway to remain as a pedestrian and bike route. The section from the foot of Main Street to Buffalo Harbor State Park should be preserved as a bike and pedestrian route. We call it the cloud walk. Mm-hmm. Now, I I want to stress how fucking insane this looks because it's the Skyway, so it's still a roadway, like a, which would now be a walkway that leads out to the water. And then it just fucking stops. <laughs> that thing just now, and it's got, in this proposed vision, minimal barrier. I'd like to stress minimal barriers, so much so that even like the little characters in the, the photos look like they're ready to just hop on over. Oh, yeah. That- right. I mean, look, do you know how heavy of ankle weights you would need to be able to walk up the Skyway and not die? Because like... <laughs> I've been on the Skyway when there's like a 15 mile an hour wind in like a... It's brutal. It's like a Chevy Impala. Yeah. And I mean, you feel like you're going to fly off the side of it. I mean, they, 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 they've blocked it off where you could ride your bike up, up the Skyway. Right. It's brutal. So, like, can you imagine like 50 mile an hour wind and you're on a tandem bicycle? You're dead. You're just... Mm-hmm. you're just. It's not a good idea. You're, I mean, you're just a splatter point on the ground. Like, e- either get rid of it all or keep it. Right. right. I mean, we just spent all this money to upgrade it last year. Right now, now friend of the pod, uh, Pat Burke had a uh, column in the local bees this week saying that we should save the Skyway. That the Skyway makes sense and we should keep at least it. for now. Yeah, at least, we, and part of his argument was like, we just spent a whole bunch of money on the goddamn thing. Yeah, I mean, this is the classic sunk cost fallacy. I'm sorry, get rid of that fucking thing. I'm me and me and Andy. We are, we are united as one on this this one issue. Yeah, you sunk a bunch of money into it. Don't throw good money after bad trying to now, keep this thing around. Now, what Buffalo should be doing is what Boston did in its tunnels. I think we ought a tunnel of 33 before the Skyway. Well, we could do both. Why not both? Why, why, why not, not make both? a major project out of it? I mean, both? Boston did pretty much everything at the same time with the big dig. Shout out, shout out to... Uh, also friend of the pod, Buffalo Troll, for uh, for likening this design to the Simpsons escalator to nowhere. <laughs> because it literally just falls off the map. And yes, Jim, to your point, the wind is ridiculous. I can't imagine in any way, shape, or form it'd be safe. I, I don't I don't know who's walking out to the middle of the fucking lake well, I, just hanging out there. I mean, I get it. Like they're thinking of the, the f- old uh, elevated pathway in New York, right? The, where they've made it into a park and the greenway. Right. But that thing wasn't like six stories high by the windiest fucking lake in the, of the great lakes. I mean, that thing is like two and a half stories high in the middle of a city. Well, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you this. I'm not going to be walking or riding my bike up there. No, I, I absolutely won't. not. I, I would mean. never let anybody I know do it. And, and guess who's going to do that? Well, that's not true. There would be some people I know who I would encourage to do it. And when are you, when are you going to be able to do <laughs> When are you going to be able to do it? Three months out of the year, if, if, if you're so inclined? 
You're not gonna be able to snowshoe up there. I'll tell you that. Oh no! You may, today we're 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 recording this on Friday, and it's it's been a windy son of a bitch today. Yeah, it'd be all ice. Yeah, it would be a fun slide. It'd be it'd be all ice, and you and you'd you'd fly off the edge. You'd look like oh. one. Of, uh, hopefully, you have a parachute with you so you can fucking land to the ground. You'd look like one of those army guys. All right, here we go. Okay, maybe we come up with some contraption. You know, a ski lift up to the top, and then, and then and then you ski down. No, that'd be great. Right into the lake. Oh, maybe you could. Uh, we could put a like a loop in there, like hot tube. Wheels. You could you could inflatable tube down. Oh, tube down. That way you don't have to ski. You All don't, right. All you right. don't have to have any ability. I'm warming up to this idea. Yeah. This would just be the perfect monument to Buffalo's failure of development. <laughs> just this thing that's like half built into the middle of fucking downtown. That's a death trap. That literally offers appeal for nobody except for some dipshit like conservationist preservationist whatever I, okay i know those guys have a, a place i know they, they do good things this is half baked at best like just just get rid of it it's go, it's bad mm-hmm. folks where were they bad. where where were the conservationists and, and the preservationists on the waterfront village which was designed by this famous like brutalist architect and start getting teared down. Where were they then? But they were going to save part of the fucking Skyway? No, brutalism doesn't count. No, look, here's my thing. Is either keep the entire Skyway and let people die every Christmas or get rid of the fucking thing. Well, where, where, where's Don't this, do half of it. Where's this fucking movement? I want to know who really, in their heart of hearts, loves the Skyway and wants to keep it. I don't understand. This does not feel organic this feels very like a couple guys had like an idea and we're like oh yeah you know we should maybe keep the skyway because we just threw a bunch of money into it i think think the only people want to keep it are people like commute from hamburg i i just might i i don't understand the the halfway thing it's it's like i mean i guess it's for me like i don't understand like the appeal of like second ring suburbs right you're like halfway to the country and halfway to the city yeah, it sucks. I I don't get it. Pick one or the other. Right, yeah. Pick one. Make a choice. Stick with it. Don't be agnostic. Either be a theist or be an atheist. Don't don't say I don't know. Goddamn, commit to something. Yeah. Have a little bit of a backbone for a change. So who wants half a skyway? I I don't want half the skyway. I I'd rather have zero Skyway. I want 0% Skyway or 100% Skyway. I don't want 50%, 50% Skyway because 50% Skyway is just 100% death. That All being or nothing, s- baby. That being said, how fucking funny would that be? Like, me, me as somebody who cares about Buffalo, I want the Skyway gone. Me as somebody <laughs> who lives for the fucking jokes, oh, my God. The first time I see that half of Skyway... <laughs> Oh, I mean, well, it would make all the, here's 21 reasons to visit Buffalo in 2021. Oh, it, Albright Knox, number one, well, even though it's closed, number two, <laughs> Cloudwalk. Cloudwalk. They should just they should just lean into it. They should have a big target on the ground at the bottom of it. Like, here well, you go. Suicide I mean, Capital USA. You know what they should do is make a game out of it and put like, you know, a little, a little barrel of water and try to aim yourself into the barrel of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, yeah. Like they used to do back in the day. Or, or you could actually have a, a full-size pool there, like oh, a okay. deep pool, mm-hmm. like uh, Fancy Island. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that sounds great. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you, you might be talking me into Cloudwalk. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked myself into Cloudwalk now. <laughs> <laughs> it's- official, hold on. Breaking news, official yeah. square pod position on Cloudwalk. Complete 180. We are now in favor. We're in favor, yeah. but only if there's two things. You heard it One, a, a deep swimming pool off to the side that people can jump into, or two, uh, parachutes that you just hand off so like when people get knocked off the edge, they just go flying and they float down. You're not into the bungee cord? No bungee? No, no bungee cord. No, don't pretend like you're going to be dying. <laughs> Like actually, there's got to be some risk of death. There's got to be some actual risk of death. Because like, here's the thing: is like the skyway is not so high that you have time to wait before you pull the ripcord oh, on the, no. on the parachute. No. As soon as your feet leave the ground, you better be like fuck it and and pull that cord. <laughs> oh man, you know now we're thinking about Valentine's Day. I'm wondering like what uh, Buffalo influencers would would be the first to do the parachute. Oh. You know, together like a couple's photo, just jumping but, off the cloud. Oh, I, I was thinking like, who would be the first to propose at the top of the cloud walk? Well, then you got to jump off it together. It's right. the new pink stairs, or or maybe you put the ring at the bottom of the pool that you dive into. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, if you want to make it real next year for Valentine's yeah. Day, mm-hmm. you take your you take your lady, you take your partner to the top of the cloud walk, and you jump right. off together. All right, that a, a man needs a woman or a man to be a man. Yes. Yes. It's a little Bill Callahan for everybody. Jim, lay it on me. We're we're talking, you know, about local elections. Everybody's favorite. We've got some more contenders in the ring. What's going on? Who announced? Who's throwing their hat in for politicking? Well, here's my favorite one so far is because they didn't announce... They were just, they were announced by the outgoing member, by the outgoing person. And the announcement today was that they got the endorsement. But Lynn Dixon never announced that she was running for controller. Stefan said that he wanted her to be it. And then the GOP announced that they were endorsing her. And yet she never had like any formal announcement herself saying, yeah, I'm running for controller. So whether she wants to or not, she's running for controller now on the GOP line. I I feel so much excitement. I my hands are tingling. I, I just like I'm getting heart palpitations. My like, hands are tingling too, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's uh that, that's because I use the computer too much. Oh man, I just I feel the linmentum. Like Wow, we're going from Stefan Mahailu to Lynn. Lynn, Lynn Dixon. Yeah, Lynn Dixon has been like just the 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 soup can basically, like the the palooka that they drag out to get beat up every time they need somebody to run for something, and she's just like, yeah. Well, I'm, I I will say to be fair. She was closer to polling cars last time than I gave her credit for. It was like 54-46. But you knew she wasn't going to beat polling cars. I, I I understand. I understand what you're saying, but I, like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean I I look, I I didn't think she had a chance. 
Um, but I actually thought it was going to be like 57-43. I, I was surprised that it was, you know, 54-46. 54-46 is, you know, that that's close. Now, what's going to uh, hurt her is that, that she's got less money than Hardwick. It's going to be hard to fundraise in the times of coronavirus. Um, and it's going to be hard to, you know, do door-to-door. But, I mean, she should have name recognition that's actually probably higher than Hardwick's because she did run for a countywide office. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Republicans are going to heavily contest for this comptroller seat? Or do you think they are just putting Lynn Dixon out there because she's got you know, high name recognition and she could put up a puncher's chance even if they don't throw a lot of money behind her? No, I think they're going to go after the controller's race. I think they view con- the controller's race as the number two seat in the county and their spot to criticize and attack uh, polling cars. I think they 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 know that they're not going to win the ledge. the The ledge has been drawn in such a way, and and is representing the districts that it represents in such a way that they have no chance of winning the legislature. So I think that they think that the controller's race is their chance to have a countywide candidate who can criticize the county executive on a regular basis and attack the county executive and weaken him because the last thing they want is polling cars to have a fourth term. So if they're doing that, then why would they pick a candidate who has like all the excitement of warm jello? Because, you know, she's still got 46% against polling cars. Polling cars is relatively popular. And she did relatively well against polling cars. Hardwick is, you know, we talked about it, you know, two weeks ago or last week where we talked about like Hardwick versus McMurray in a primary. And while Hardwick's got higher name recognition than McMurray does countywide because McMurray ran in a limited district. Dixon versus Hardwick. Dixon's got higher name recognition countywide than Hardwick does. Well... That's something to chew on, something to think about as we get closer to election season. Um, and we will talk, of course, of course, we will talk a lot more about Nate McMurray shortly. But we would be remiss if we did not mention some other very important candidates. Uh, Jim, Miles Carter announced that he would be running as a Democrat uh, for the sheriff's right. position. All, um, ki- all kinds of sheriff candidates. Lots of sheriff candidates. The Lots of rad and unrad candidates for sheriff this this election. Uh, Miles Carter, he announced, he said he's not going to be seeking the Democratic nomination. Is that correct? Oh, I missed that. I believe that he is not going to be seeking the Democratic nomination, but he's running as a Democrat. He's not going to seek the endorsement. Oh. Um, He's going to be running as an outsider. That's a bold move. Uh, it, it it certainly is a bold move. You're right. So I pulled up the article from WBFO. Uh, Carter, a fixture at many social justice actions, is campaigning 
to overhaul a sheriff's department he said continually turns a blind eye to the suffering of inmates in the Erie County Holding Center in downtown Buffalo and the Wend uh, Correctional Facility in Alden. Carter said he is not seeking endorsement from the Democratic Party. Rather, he is coming to take the sheriff nomination. So in his own words here, we stand here a phoenix from the ashes of the 30 who have died needlessly under the reign of Sheriff Howard, he said. We are unafraid to speak the names of the tragedies surrounding deaths, like our sister, India Cummings, and the criminal and decrepit culture that has been made to be the Erie County Holding Center. We stand here to fight for the brothers and sisters of this community of which we all deserve to have restored and returned whole to this community. So, you know, inspiring words. But Jim, what about this tactic of not running for the Democratic nomination? It's crazy. It's just insane. I mean, look, whether you like it or not, and I don't like it, I don't think most people like it, we live in a two-party system in this country. In order to be a viable third candidate, you need to be independently wealthy. In order to be a viable candidate in New York State, you need to have multiple lines because we have fusion voting. If he is not going to be seeking the Democratic nomination, then it's likely he's not seeking the Independence Party nomination. He might seek the Working Families Party nomination. But if he gets, let's say, let's say there's a world where he gets the Working Families Party line. Well, hold on. He's, he's, I'm sorry, Jim. So he's not seeking endorsement. We're kind of tripping all over ourselves. We, he's not seeking the endorsement, which means he's running on a Democratic line. Yeah. He's seeking the Democratic line, just not the endorsement, which makes it hard for the Independence Party or the Working Families Party to endorse him. Right. And without their endorsement, he can't run on their line because he needs the Wilson Pakula, um, which is the name of the form that you need um, because of the lawsuit, Wilson Pakula, that you need in order to run on a line that you're not a party member of. So he's not going to get a Wilson Pakula for I. He's not going to get a Wilson Pakula for working families. So it's awfully hard to win a, any race in New York State on just one line. In Erie County, which is very split Republican and Democrat, you need to have multiple lines in order to win. If he wins the Democratic line without seeking the nomination, which would be literally amazing, but if he if he does, um, he's got almost no chance in the general election because he won't have any of the minor party lines. Now, Jim, and we'll talk about another sheriff candidate on the Democrat side, but we've talked before about candidates running and maybe just keeping things interesting on a countywide level to try to draw more voters. So is this in any way, shape, or form a tactic to that end? Like, let's say you know, likely does not win the Democratic nomination and carries on a campaign to the general. W- would that be some sort of tactic on the Democrats end to like keep voters engaged in a competitive uh, yeah, I mean, election? But, but the problem is, is that you have to have some line that you're running on in order to be something in the November election to make it 
somewhere you're bringing people out, right? Like, we don't have the type of format that, say, California has, where you can have multiple people from diff- from the same party running in the general election. We've, we have a primary system where only one person can run. So he's, he's limiting himself to that he's got, he has to win the primary or he's dead. Now, unless he seeks himself and he runs as a working families party member, which you know, maybe he does, maybe he's a member, maybe he's a member of the working families party and maybe he wins that election. And then he does cause some distress to the Republican party in November. But as far as if he's running solely as a Democrat and he's a registered Democrat, he loses the primary and the whole thing's over. All right. And this article here does mention, too, that Dominique Calhoun is running against Howard Johnson uh, for the first legislative uh, Erie County Legislative District, uh, which covers large areas of Buffalo's east side. Yeah. Um, I don't have much info on Howard Johnson, to be honest with you. I know... I. I grew up uh, partially part of my life in that district. I know definitely that if, you know, of many districts in the area, that that one certainly could use some bold new leadership, um, even without knowing what Howard Johnson is doing. I just know that uh, we, it's certainly encouraging to see somebody who is a member of the social justice movements and and is very active in the community. Uh, Any thoughts on, on this ledge district or, Dominique Calhoun's campaign? Uh, not really. I, I need to look into her campaign more. Um, I mean, this is a, a district where whoever wins the Democratic primary is the legislator. Um, Howard Johnson's been legislator for three three to five years. Not 20, very, 2019. He's 2019, so two years. Not very long. Um, like I said, uh, I was going to say one to two terms. Um he, so he hasn't been there for a very long time. Um, I mean, I'd be interested to see how much money she can raise, what she's able to pull off as far as getting uh, any kind of press. The first district is going to be one of those districts that's going to be ripe for primaries for the its entire existence because that's the only way to get into the office. Um, there's no general election to be had. It's going to be primaries only. Um, so somebody who's got a social justice background running against the incumbent, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe we can have her on the show. Reach out to her, Re. Sure. Yeah, we'd love to uh, interview any, except except Filano. Any any political candidate. No, except especially that- Filano. I would love to have Filano on. <laughs> Under the understanding that we're not going to be nice to him. No, no. Back to Sheriff Jim. We had another candidate announce and was endorsed by a big player in the party. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Kim Beatty. 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe Beatty. Beatty. B-E-A-T-Y, Beatty, Beatty. Um, currently director of security at Canisius College, formerly a uh, assistant or deputy commissioner for the Buffalo Police Department, um, announced for Democratic nod for sheriff. Okay. Which adds to an already 
kind of crowded list of people running for sheriff on the Democratic line. Not that, I mean, the Republican side is uh, uh, crowded too because uh, Karen Healy Case, who we talked about uh, two weeks ago on the campaign finance uh, episode, she had raised money, had not officially announced. She officially announced this week that she is running for sheriff on the Republican line. And didn't she come out with some statement about like the the left wing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, yeah she she came out with it that she's going to bring back you know the rule of law and she's going to fight the left wing liberals and Antifa and mm-hmm. nonsense. It's funny okay. when we had when we had Jeff on the show, these people were you know relative unknowns. And we had no idea of their political positions. But quickly, quickly, you have the Karen Healy cases of the world are flashing out exactly the kind of whistles that they're going to be blowing. Right. Uh, so uh, Kim Beatty, Beatty, or I'm going to say Beatty. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm it's Beatty from here. I'm going to call her Beatty from now on until I'm, I'm, until I'm corrected. Uh, but she got endorsed by a state assemblyman this year already. Who is that, Ray? Uh, is that friend of the pod? It is friend of the pod. Padraig Burke. Yep. Yes, yes. Pat, our boy Pat, gave her the uh, the big thumbs up, which, man, he's more of a player nowadays. Like, he's more of a power broker. And I got to say, if she ends up being the one to get that Democratic nomination, um, and heaven forbid winning the, the sheriff's office, like, man, that's a big move for Pat, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, like I mentioned two weeks ago on, on the campaign finance episode, sheriff's office compared to controller is something that will be watched on a national level because it has implications for criminal justice reform. The sheriff's office, just like a DA's office, has the ability to change the way crimes are prosecuted in a county or municipality or area, right? So the sheriff's office has these implications that might see bear fruit later in courts that the controller's office just doesn't have. The controller's office, like, we, like we've said multiple times on the show, nobody knows what the fuck you do and nobody gives a shit. Right? As really? far as they know, you do something related to money, mm-hmm. And that's about it. Like, maybe they've got a second step. They're like, oh, yeah, they do audits. And you're like, what kind of audits? They're like, they do them. I can tell you as the podcast resident dummy, I don't care and I don't give a shit. Yeah. Look, you know, as, as the podcast resident political guy, I don't care and I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'll say this with this sheriff race. I know that I know that a lot of times in the moment, it feels like nothing is moving. Nothing is changing. Like in the moment you, you take a snapshot and it just seems like things are going to be the way they are forever. However, I will say Tim Howard and his tenure as sheriff will linger 
it, it should loom over very large on this race. I really, truly believe that. I know that generally this office has been one that's mostly been Republican-dominated. Yes. I know that a lot of, even the Democrats, mostly just kind of concede that this law and order type of race is just, you know, one they kind of fold to. Well, I mean, th- over the last 20 years, it's been Republican-dominated. But you remember, Sheriff Tom Higgins was sheriff. And he that's a Democrat. And he was sheriff for a long time. So over the last 20 years, with Gallivan and Howard, it's been Republican-dominated. But prior to that, it was a Democratic seat for a while. Well, just, just from the sense that, I mean, they let Bernie Tolbert twist in the wind when he ran they the democrats that is they really haven't made a concerted broadside at sheriff in quite some time because you're right they have sort of folded to galvin and and howard which you know practical reasons probably the right play actual political idealistic reasons no probably not but what i'm saying is that there is some something in the air as if I really, truly believe that you can't, I, 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 the Karen Healy case, I really think not only because she's a monster, it sounds like based on her own statements, but just because people don't want that. Now I could be very wrong. And, you know, we just, had a Repub- we just had an election where Donald Trump had almost 70 million votes and, you know, lost to Joe Biden. So there's clearly a lot of people who are still very much in that MAGA mindset, especially around here. But, but I, I have a feeling the Democrats will at least be trying to contest this one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're going to no, fight for uh, this one. No, I, I think they're going to fight for this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a competitive primary for this one on both sides. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see what the third parties do. As far as endorsements, as far you know, what the I party does, what the conservative party does, what the working families party does, um, as far as endorsements, because it seems like it's going to be competitive primaries across the board, and they're going to try to pick who they think is going to win because they want to have the most juice afterwards, and they could pick wrong. Lots of pitfalls. Yep. Lots of pitfalls. Tell tell me what our ne'er-do-well local hockey team, what kind of trouble did they get into? Oh, they got into the most global of troubles they could possibly get into. Oh, no. The, the, the head coach tested positive for COVID, for the coronavirus. Rona. Among, uh, among others, right, 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 yeah. There's a couple other people. Uh, a couple of players were put on like the Corona watch list. Uh, they were exposed, but they don't necessarily say that they're positive to it. Um, after they played the Devils, and the Devils had like seven players on the Corona. It was watch all list. the Devils. Were yeah, there. yep. That's what happens when you go play that Mickey Mouse Club, New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I the Sabers can't do anything right you know at least at least the nfl lindy ref's revenge at least the nfl had the dignity to you know hide all their coronavirus cases and (laughs) make those guys just play on and 
<laughs> just, you know, sweep it under the rug. The NHL is just a big sloppy mess. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't going to win much anyway this year. So I'm not happy. Let me start here. I'm you not don't happy. Know that. Oh, you, you sound kind of happy. No, no, no. <laughs> but if they're going to be bad, I want to have something <clears throat> that we can blame it on. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, they would have won if it wasn't for fucking New Jersey giving them Corona. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, God, they stink on ice. No, they're, they're actually okay this year. Mm-hmm. And yet, Brian, you tell yourself that. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember when they won 10 games in a row? Oh, that's different. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. different. Yeah. Much different. Anyway, the Sabres. But hopefully everybody... What's his face? What's the coach's name? Ralph Kruger. <laughs> Freddy. Freddy Kruger. Yeah. Ralph. Hey, hey, Ree, Jim, who's our favorite Valentine? Oh, well, there's only one who has my heart. Mine, too. Do you mean? Yes, I do. <gasps> Nay, watch. Nay, watch. Nay, watch. Our poor, beautiful boy, he's had a rough week. He's, you know, he had a rough week, but man, is it looking up today. <laughs> There, Let's, Ree, Ree, can you take us through the week? There is a lot of Nate to watch, friends. There is so much Nate to watch. I can't even wrap my... I just sat up in my seat. I, like The Sabres just had me slumped, and now I am like alive with the glory of Nate. He, he breathes life into this podcast. He truly, truly is like the, the mitochondria, the powerhouse mm-hmm. of the pod. So... Nate, Nate, Nate is just kind of flailing his arms literally at any and all Democrat in Western New York. That includes now, Jim, not just, uh, you know, the the residents of, of NY27 who are dealing with Nate, but potentially the residents of NY26. Yes. Yes. Yes, because... Because Nate McMurray actually came out and slammed Congressman Brian Higgins. Uh oh. Whoa. Whoa. Jim, uh, help me understand why Nate McMurray would come out with a broadside against Brian Higgins and the state of NY 26th talking about, um, you know, we have the worst job market in the country. This is from a tweet because of course it is because the man, he just can't help himself Can't stop. Can't stop. And we'll get to that too. But he tweeted out fact. We have the worst job market dot, 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 all caps in the country. Fact. NY 26. Is that, is that a fact? Uh, it's in a Nate McMurray tweet. I guess so. It's, I guess it's true. Mm-hmm. 
fact, NY26 has three of the poorest cities, dot, 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 all caps, in the country, NF, Buffalo, and Lackawanna. So Niagara Falls, Buffalo, and Lackawanna. Fact, we have some of the worst racism slash police brutality in the country. How do you quantify that? I don't know, but it, I mean, it feels like a fact. Yeah. But you're right. Finally, fact, no one, parentheses, Republican or Democrat, in parentheses, wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about these things, Jim. Whew. NY26. Yeah. We want to talk about them. Yeah, we, tell you we can't wait to talk about them. Yeah. So, Nate, uh, come on the pod sometime. We love you. Yeah, well, I mean, well we, we like you. <laughs> we'll talk about things. Yes. Well, listen, boys, he's coming for the big dog. He is going right for the. Jungle. He is. I mean, he's going after. He's going after uh, Higgins. Um, Higgy baby. Brian, he of the high waisted pants. <laughs> I mean, and and uh, somehow the haircut never looks like it's it's been combed. Yeah, even though it probably has been. So, this was only just the start of an epic letter rip, epic Nate McMurray week, because after he comes out swinging. Yeah, well, it's, I, I want let me let me let me talk about this though the, the attack on Higgins real quick it is it makes no sense politically to do it right no Nate's out for blood no I mean Nate is out for he's out for blood but he, he's reaching out with without any kind of grasp on reality really as as what's going on. He, he's not going to endear himself to anyone um, by reaching out at, at Higgins because he's not trying to appeal to the left branch, right? Well, sh- shout, shout out to the king. Shout out to the king Buffalo troll again. He's getting a second shout out today because he's just killing it on, the, on, his, on his Nate watch. He, he, uh, he screenshotted the tweet we just read, and his tweet reads, 27 districts in New York. And Nate is going to try to lose a race at every one of them. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Nate. Oh, so. Poor Nate. <sighs> no, I mean, what what kills me about his, uh, his attack on Higgins is that he's not coming from the left. He's coming from like a, like Corinne said last week, kind of like a middle-of-the-road moderate type of attack on, on Higgins. And... That doesn't work, especially doesn't work in a district that's as heavily Democratic as Higgins' district is. Certainly. And he faced a harsh rebuke uh, for his comments about, uh, you know. Oh, what happened? Well, Jim, as it turns out, Jeremy Zellner, who it appears long ago abandoned any pretense of Nate McMurray being a serious candidate for anything, but... He he finally put that, you know, he set that in stone. He, he he laid out exactly how he feels about Nate McMurray after these comments. So I believe this is from a Buffalo News article um, responding to McMurray's comments. Uh, but Jeremy Zellner, the article says, the Erie County Democratic chairman and a previous target of McMurray's ire, lauded Higgins and took some shots at McMurray. Quote, Brian Higgins has been instrumental in Western New York's rebirth 
and has been a leader for our region and the Democratic Party throughout his tenure, Zellner said. Put simply, Brian does not need lectures on progressive priorities or the needs of Western New York's working families from a corporate lawyer who now claims to be a champion of the 99%. Wow. Wow. God damn. I mean, that's, 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 that's a pretty harsh take on uh, Nate McMurray. You know what? You know what Nate deserves after that? What's that? Request denied. Request denied. Um, oh, I mean, let's, let's just marinate on that a second. Just because, like, I mean, Jeremy Zellner doesn't really say a lot about these things usually, in my experience. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but... I don't see him making a ton of public statements involving like Democrats you know, squabbling at each other. Well, you know what? What Zellner doesn't do is burn bridges with potential candidates. Nate fucked up. So Zellner, you know, aiming for the head on McMurray. I mean, this and this is an attempt at a headshot on McMurray, calling him a corporate lawyer who is now just pretending to be a member of the ninety-nine percent. Um, that's burning a bridge with a potential candidate. I mean, the only way McMurray becomes a candidate now is a either an insurgency, and he runs by himself, or some sort of hostile takeover of the Democratic Party, which doesn't seem to be coming. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know what. What uh, backing he would get to, for a hostile takeover? Oh, I don't think he'd get any backing. Yeah, Nate McMurray. I mean, um, I mean, now the way Zellner phrased it, he does leave open for your anybody's understanding that Brian Higgins does deserve to be lectured on progressive causes, just not by a corporate lawyer who is now pretending to be part of the 99%. So maybe by a corporate lawyer who's not pretending to be part of the 99% <laughs> or maybe by a non-corporate lawyer who is part of the 99%. Maybe, maybe you or I could lecture Higgins maybe, maybe. on progressive causes. You um, want to give it a shot. Right. Yeah. Or maybe like, you know, we could find a corporate lawyer who's like, no, I'm part of the 1%. And we're like, what do you think about progressive causes? He's like, well, I know enough to lecture Brian Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this article closes off here, Jim. Noting that the party was trying to win races for Erie County Comptroller and Sheriff this year, Zellner added, quote, Nate's talk of disunity plays right into the hands of Republicans and doesn't do a thing to advance the needs of of Western New Yorkers, end quote. So really, to your point, I think that is like the kiss of death on Nate, that you're basically saying, Nate, you're working in the hands of the Republicans mm -hmm. now. He is. I mean, he at this point, he really is. He, he's so beholden to his He's own, a parody of himself. His own theoretical ideals um, that He's working against his own interests. 
Well, he is most certainly working against his own interests and in more ways than one, Jim. Can can you explain to me what the fuck happened uh, with his losing this partnership thing? This what? is a doozy. <sighs> I mean, is- I, I know just a little bit about what I, what I read on Twitter, but what I did read on, on the tweets on the Twitter... Um, from the tweet storm that he sent out was that apparently he had a potential partnership with a law firm, with a major law firm, right? That's, that's, that's what he's, I think he, he implied. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, that had been offered to him. And based off of his social media activity, that offer was rescinded. Am I correct, Ringoff? I, I think so, Jim. I think it ended up being that, um, I don't know if it was necessarily for his tweets, but I think it was his comments about Brian Higgins. Should I read the tweet? Yes. Yeah. Yes. A major law firm just called me to tell me the offer of partnership they made is revoked because of the article by Jerry Zremski, based on comments I made about Brian Higgins, not condemning the Reb Jacobs not condemning, excuse me, Reb Jacobs about the coup. Crushing. Family crushed. Giving up too much for politics. I'll read the next tweet, tweet, Ryan. They said they had gotten calls. This is mafia stuff. Cancel culture. This is cancel culture. Nate is getting canceled. He's not being canceled. No, he just needs to put his fucking phone down. Yeah, he needs to put his phone down because he needs to do two things. He needs to stop tweeting yeah. and stop answering phone calls from the local media <laughs> who are like, hey, Nate, did you want to say something stupid on the record? And he's like, I can't wait. Sure. Hey, everyone's on Nate Watch. Let's face it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Guys, if, if, if Nate put down the phone, how... If Nate put down the phone, how else would would we get posts like this where Nate uh, literally compares his struggle? I, I will friend friend of the pod Tara Sullivan, longtime listener, sent me this uh, Facebook post of Nate's that came. I believe it was yesterday or two days ago. My mother in law was a refugee when she was a girl. Samsung Electronics was a guy selling used TV parts from a bike. Today, she has three houses. Samsung is a trillion-dollar company. South Korea has the fastest internet in the world. Buffalo, don't tell me nothing can change. What happened? Where was the part about what was going on in South Korea earlier that made it like so amazing that like now it's got the fastest internet in the world? <laughs> Right, like well, I got the part about Samsung. It was just some dude selling parts on a bike. Yeah, it's not a sequitur. I got I got the part about like his mother in law that she was a refugee, not the Tom Petty type, but like a, an actual refugee. Yes. I mean, if Nate stopped posting, where would we get this stolen mother in law valor tweet from? <laughs> you know, that's mafia stuff, Re. Mafia stuff, baby. That's cancel culture. Cancel mm-hmm. culture. Or where else would we get a gem like this that I think came a few days before that? 
This is a tweet now, not a Facebook post, but Nate McMurray. <clears throat> Why do you think public schools are so vilified by the far right? They want them gone. Why? So the population is uneducated. That is their goal. They don't think kids like we were deserve school. We should have served as day laborers and sex workers to serve them. Like it was. Is that how it was? Uh, I, well, I mean, he's not he, he's not he totally might, wrong. Might not be too far off. I mean, you know, day laborers and sex workers. I mean, that was your career path if you were of the working class. Mm-hmm. Not if you're a corporate lawyer. <laughs> oh, boy. Take that, oh, Nate. Boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Nate. Nate. He, he, you know, they say tweet through it. And he took that to heart. He he did say he did say earlier today he was going to take a break from social media. How long did that last? Hours, <laughs> a couple, couple of hours. Yeah, he can't help it. He can't help he it. He just he's he's he, the worms in his brain. He can't get away. You know, I mean, Re, you won't share your social media with our listeners. We've been doing this for. Almost five months, and you won't share your social media with, with our listeners. Nah. But Nate McMurray, he can't wait to share it with our listeners, with your listeners, with with anyone who's around. He wants to share his social media. So we talked about this before the pod. I think there's still some smoldering embers of, of Nate's like social viability. I think he can bring it back. I think he can redeem himself if he just says, guys, I got emotional after losing three consecutive races. You know, I had a little bit of a breakdown, but I'm back. I put the Twitter down. You know, I've, I've, I've had a string of rational tweets for the past few months, and I'm ready to be a corporate lawyer again. No, I I, I think what he has to do is, like, you know, he's got to go the celebrity route. We're like, oh, I, I have I, I, I am, I have an alcohol addiction. I have a sex addiction. He's got to blame it on a substance. Right. right. I have a social media addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a thing. Oh, I'm sure it's a thing. I mean, I have a social media addiction. I don't post constantly, <laughs> but I doom scroll through Twitter like a madman. Well, that just means you're an American. Probably, but I mean, <laughs> I still go go crazy. Speaking of going places, Re. No. <laughs> We're going places. Let's, what if we wanted to go somewhere with Nate Where? or for Nate? We could go do something for Nate, perhaps. What could we do? What could we do for our sweet what, favorite Valentine? What, yeah, it's 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 the sweetest of all days, but not sweetest day. <laughs> what what could we do to help a struggling corporate lawyer down on his luck, whose mother in law owns three homes, and who just got denied a, a corporate uh, or who just got denied a, a partnership at a law firm? What can we do to help this this struggling young man? Down if if anyone needs help, it's Nate McMurray. And uh, uh, as of today, he now has a GoFundMe started by I can't remember who. I you know it doesn't matter. Some super fan. Uh, a, yeah, he's got a super fan. And I mean, just in the last half hour, there's a two hundred fifty dollar donation. So there are many other brainworm people who are helping brainworm Nate McMurray. They're they're trying to raise. $5,000 for a Valentine's Day gift for Nate McMurray. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, 
It was started. It was created five hours ago. They've already raised $667 <laughs> off seven donations. Are you fucking kidding me? How, how much sponge candy could that buy you? Probably a truck full. Do you know how many, do you know how many months of World of Warcraft that could buy me? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I want to. I, I want to shout out the people on this who who are not anonymous. I'm not going to say their names. I guess I'll give them. That. Oh, okay. You know, I'll give them that discretion. But I will say their their names are showing. Like there's there's five anonymous donations, three of which are over a hundred dollars. Two are for a hundred dollars. One is for a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Well, we know what Jeremy Zellner's spending his money on. <laughs> But one woman who did put her name, which is the most alpha move possible, do- donated $250 to Nate fucking McMurray's GoFundMe. Wow. What? I mean, this is so insane. I, it, I, when I got, I got texted, somebody, uh, a friend of the pod texted me this link and it was like, you know, whatever her name is that started this. Wants you to send Nate McMurray a Valentine's Day card. And my response is, what the actual fuck? Because it literally, what the actual fuck's going on with this? This is insane that somebody's trying to do a GoFundMe just to send him five grand for Valentine's Day because, like, what a sweetheart you were when you ran in a race where you had no chance. Jim, love is love, okay? In whatever form. It manifests itself. And if it's a GoFundMe you know for five grand, so be it. You know what? Uh, I'll run. I'll run for Congress against Chris Jacobs <laughs> for five grand. <laughs> so will I, actually. Uh, let me read this. I, guy. I'll also tweet stupid shit on Twitter if it means five, I, five grand. Sure. You want me to eat a bat? I'll eat a bat. <laughs> would, would, would you eat a wing with just butter? <laughs> If I got five grand for it, you bet your ass I would. <laughs> you need a toe, I'll get you a toe. So let me read this. Let me read this absolutely unhinged. Oh, GoFundMe, okay? Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let her rip. So the, the, the title is A Love Note of Thanks to Nate McMurray. By the way, when we get our own webpage, instead of Ipsum Lorem, I just want this to be <laughs> our text filler. <laughs> A love note to Nate. Nate, you are our once-in-a-lifetime candidate. It's rare to find someone as ethical and hardworking with a straight moral compass devoted to doing what's right, even if it causes trouble with the elders, our dear friend Nate. It's even rarer to find someone who feels so strongly and continues to fight for others after unfair consequences, tragic job loss, twice. We wish we had control over today's harsh political climate. Nate, a private citizen now, not running for office, but your good heart is still concerned about us. You want us to be represented ethically and honestly in Congress. And then we have a quote here, Jim. Quote, Friends are like medicine for a wounded heart and vitamins for a hopeful soul. End quote. From Steve Maraboli. And she puts in parentheses, author. (laughs) And then, (laughs) next slide. 
Thank you, Nate, for your abiding concern and love for us, your friends in NY27. We know that you will land on your feet, but we are concerned about you and your family now. Please accept our humble gift to you, our sweet friend and family on the sweetest day. A very happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) XOXO, thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, now... Uh, like like uh, Brian, friend of the pod, who's been on the show before, uh, he texted me and he 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 Brian Nowak he texted me and said, you know, I hope that Nate donates this money, and that's I mean that absolutely is the only way for Nate to handle this is to donate this money to some sort of nonprofit. He can't just be like, yes, please give me the money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll around in the no bed way. full of dollar bills. Did you just listen to that sweet poem? Nate's a victim here, and he's a victim who can kind of bring himself back by donating this money, <laughs> as opposed to just being, as opposed to just covering his queen size bed in dollar in two dollar bills and rolling around in five hundred, two hundred dollar bills. When he, as he raises a thousand dollars, or however much money he ends up raising out of the five thousand, because that's the thing with with GoFundMe, it, it's it's not like some of the other ones. GoFundMe, however much money you raise, you get. That's it, right? It's it's not like the other ones where you're like, well, you have to raise. No. If the goal is, you get what you get. Five thousand, like Kickstarter, right? Yeah. The goal is five thousand dollars, and you raise four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. You get zero, mm-hmm. right? GoFundMe, it's just fuck it. This is how much money you got. So he, he he's already getting how much money? Reese seven hundred dollars, almost seven hundred dollars in a in a GoFundMe created as of this recording six hours ago. Oh my god! <laughs> and and you know he's gonna get more because as people listen to this, they're gonna go and, and give him money. Oh yes, it's a um, must. And and save that money and just kick our Patreon instead. What do you think is a better use of money? Uh, donating to Nate McMurray's GoFundMe, or a few years back they had a Kickstarter for like biggest uh, bowl of mashed potatoes in the world, and people actually donated to it. They got enough, and the guy had to follow through. No, definitely biggest bowl of mashed potatoes. I mean, uh, I I remember there was a Kickstarter one time for a guy who just wanted to make like tuna salad. <laughs> And like, yeah, he, he was like, thirty dollars was his goal, so he could go <laughs> buy stuff to make tuna salad. And he uh-huh. ended up raising like four thousand dollars. Oh, 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 God, dude, I'm, I hope he had his tuna salad. After he, that. Oh, he and and to his credit, he was. I, I if I if I remember correctly, he bought like three thousand dollars worth of tuna salad materials because like, you know, like he was like, well, canned tuna, yeah, doesn't really go bad. Okay, good point. I mean, it does eventually, but like that dried pasta mm. doesn't really go bad. Mm-hmm. Mayonnaise does go bad, but I've got time. <laughs> so there's I no can, time limit, right? Right, there's no time limit. So he's like, as far as, as far as like his tuna salad, like his dreams were going, he was like, well. I've got three thousand dollars worth of tuna salad now. I can I can buy. I can I can. 
I can buy the fanciest tuna and the fanciest pasta and the fanciest mayonnaise. That's not bad, and I know my cats would love it. Yeah, I mean, whose cats wouldn't? I Nate's Nate's cats. If Nate has cats, does Nate have cats? Oh my god! <laughs> and we need to have Nate on the show, yeah, so we can find out what kind of pets he has. You know, it's kind of odd if he does have cats. He didn't tweet about them already. Well, I mean, oh. I would have. Yeah, if he has any pets, it's surprising he didn't tweet about them. So Seriously. I have to assume he has no pets. Mm-hmm. He hates animals. <sighs> he eats them, but he hates them. Nate, guys, I I just think of the many trials and tribulations that our beautiful boy Nate. Has went through. He could write a book at this point, I, and I'd read it. He's working on a book, right? Oh, he is. Yes, he, he, I think he's, at some fucking point he's tweeted about that. He's, he's tweeted about he's working on a book, mm-hmm. uh, fiction or nonfiction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, look. Nate went from you know basically being thrown from the tower of the Democratic Party, the the chairman saying, "Get the fuck out. We're done with you." Losing a job opportunity, you know, posting through it. And finally, I think it's safe to say we found love in a hopeless Nate. Oh, we, mm-hmm. we did find love in a hopeless Nate. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 insane to me that somebody has the same brain worm that Nate has. That they're like, let me start a GoFundMe to... Whoever it was that started to go for me, whatever their name was. Well, their real competition for being his Valentine, it's them and me, and us, right? And maybe yes. may his wife. No, it's it. We're it's we're, us. It's definitely a two person race, and that's not it's us. his wife. We 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 mine his tweets for content, <laughs> yeah. right? But this okay. this lady is like gathering Jeez. all of her friends to raise like seven hundred dollars in six hours, right? I mean this this lady like. I want her on the podcast more than I yes. want Nate on the yes. podcast at yes. this point. I, I definitely want her on the podcast more than I want Nate at this point. And you can tell. I'm, I'm just imagining her looking at a picture of Nate with like Celine Dion in the background. My heart will go on. Well, and you could tell this is like straight from the heart, man, because that whole bio, like sometimes it rambled off a little bit. The grammar wasn't great. I mean, you knew she didn't even put it through any kind of like Grammarly or it was any all kind passion. Of, it was love. It, you, mm-hmm. it was just like you could feel the love being typed from those fingers and the, the love note to Nate McMurray. I, I actually genuinely appreciate that. We don't get enough of that today. Yeah, we don't get enough insane people doing GoFundMes for rich guys. Um... Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, to that point, like, you know, I hope you guys back my Jeff Bezos GoFundMe. <laughs> Just send him off, right? Send him off with a little cash. <laughs> right. Oh. I mean, he's, he's, he's stepping down from, yeah. from chairman of Amazon. And I don't want him. Oh, no, as, CEO. He's chairman, but he's stepping oh, down as so CEO. He's stepping down as yeah. CEO. Yeah. I don't want him and his family to go hungry. No. So yeah, I want to raise a little cash for him. For for sure. For sure. And before, yeah, a little happy hour, you know, on his last day. Right. Before we move off. Maybe uh, they can go to Red Robin. <laughs> yes. They get unlimited fries. Before we move off Nate Watch, Jim, uh, let me ask you something. Because, look. Ask me anything about Nate. I can't wait. Jeremy Zellner clearly wants nothing to do with him. And... The local Democratic Party apparatus has made it abundantly clear they want 
absolutely nothing to do with Nate. However, he's got a fucking army of shooters behind him who are ready to drop $250 in a GoFundMe for his well-being in a love note. It's a great point. Are you telling me this guy is done? Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out when he announces he's running for county controller. I I I believe he's going to run for county controller. I mean, if not, I mean, he's got the makings of a group of people who will help him raise money for these packs. They can make you know, if you can if you can give $250 as a gift for Nate McMurray because you love him. You're like I mean, I might buy him like seven dollars worth of like chocolate covered cherries. I'm not going to give him two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> these are serious Nate supporters. It's like Nate's army, the the, right. the Nate Seals. Right. I mean, if you can give two fifty, can you give two fifty three times for these packs that he's got? I bet they would. I bet they would too. You know, and you know, seven hundred dollars once isn't much. But you start multiplying it by three times, and if he's able to raise, you know, say he's able to raise five thousand dollars, or whoever is running this campaign is able to raise five thousand dollars for Nate because they just love him. Well, if he's able to raise that three times, and he's got fifteen thousand dollars in these packs, you know, that's a lot more serious than just having five grand. Jim, that's seven hundred dollars in five hours. What? What on God's green earth? Like, I'm telling you, man, he's got killers out here on these streets. I can tell you, I don't make that much working an honest day's work. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's he's out in the cold completely. He clearly has some kind of cult of personality to have these people coming up with GoFundMes, giving him money. Like this is, this is blowing my fucking mind. I, I wish we had, I wish we had somebody who lived in his district on right now to talk about. I mean, I lived in the district that he ran in and my stance is, is like, if I had to go back in time and revote, I would still vote for him over Chris Jacobs. But I wouldn't take petitions out door to door for him because he's insane. I, I, but my if my choice was insane Nate McMurray or developer Chris Jacobs, and I knew that, and I knew what I know now, where developer Chris Jacobs is going to endorse fascism and coups then I guess I vote for Nate McMurray. How much of a problem do you think Nate is going to be? Like, is he just going to just kind of stick around and tweet through it and say he's going to come up with, like, you know, the, the the fight back pack or whatever the fuck it's called, whatever packs that didn't actually have any money in them? Or, Jim, do we think that he's actually going to, like, just go full-on rogue you know, ste- like stealth mode. He's just going by himself, baby. Well, here's going the, alone. Here's the thing: is that like, if, if he runs for office this year, say he runs for county controller, like we talked about with Jeff a couple weeks ago. He, say he runs for county controller. 
Well, the, like, that's not a great race. He doesn't have the great name recognition throughout the county. And he spends any money he has. But say he just starts these three packs and he starts leaning on people who love him to raise money and become a player that way. Well, then he becomes a legitimate player. I mean, if he's able to raise over two years $45,000, which, seeing as how he's able to raise $700 in five hours, Forty-five grand over two years doesn't seem too exact. Doesn't seem like too much of an exaggeration, does it? No, no, it does not. So if he's able to raise forty-five grand for his three packs, which uh, against the grain, Daredevil and Good Trouble are their <laughs> names. <laughs> oh my god! If he's able to raise fifteen thousand dollars per pack. And he's able to keep himself, he's able to convince himself to not run for office and keep himself away from running for office and, do, and to do so. And he raises that money. Then at some point, Zellner has to eat crow and be friends with him. Oh, wow. Now... I will say, I don't think Nate has it in him to not run if he thinks he can raise money. I think he'll, I think he, if he thinks he can raise money for those packs, I think he'll run at the same time because I think he just, he, he just can't help himself. He can't help it, man. He's going to tweet through it. He's going to run through it. The guy, listen, the guy has not stopped running for office. For what, the past three, four years? At least. Like, this is like the Trump thing. And I, I'm not being facetious with this, by the way. I really do think in a certain way, there is some level of hardwiring in both their brains where the nonstop tweeting and the constant yeah. campaigning, like, holy shit. I'm not saying Nate's politics are anywhere near Trump's. Like, well, let's not go down that road. But what I am saying is that there's just a certain personality type shall we say or just kind of hardwiring that like you need the feedback you need the constant uh dopamine hits of of posting and getting reactions and running and being in the public eye and fuck you know we've made a whole uh little content farm here of nate's tweets just by doing this podcast because we right. can't help ourselves just like just like for how many years people got off on you know being bottom feeders of Trump's garbage. That's who we are for Nate McMurray, frankly. But it's, you can't help it, man. It's just like, you can't stop watching. Are, are we the angry Brooklyn dad of Nate McMurray? Or, we're, we're like the, the Jeff Tiedrick. Jeff Tiedrick. We're always like reply tweeting. <laughs> Nate McMurray, sir, have you no shame, sir? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So interesting note about Chris Jacobs. We mentioned him a couple minutes ago. He was one of the uh, 11 Republican uh, Congress persons to uh, vote to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee position. So I don't know what to make of that, but I just thought I'd throw that out there because it's noteworthy. I mean, it, it is. Um, I don't know what to make from that either, other than like, 
the Republicans locally are trying to fend off QAnon themselves with Stephen Falano. Yeah. So that's probably more comes from an organized Republican thing locally Mm -hmm. where they're like, we don't want to be taken over by QAnon. Probably a good strategy. Probably a good strategy. I did see that Pelosi put out a press release yesterday that listed uh, Kevin McCarthy as Q. (laughs) As his party. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure that won't backfire for them on the national level. But, yeah, Chris Jacobs, I don't know. Maybe he just realizes what a clown he made of himself with uh, planting his flag with Donald Trump and... You know, now he's trying to backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> best of luck to you, Chris, in, in your pursuit of that. Maybe he's seen the map that we talked about last week, and he was like, well, <laughs> yes. as he pulls on the pearls. Hubba hubba. Hey, Jim, I think you got a little story for us. Leave us on a lighter uh, romantic note on this uh, Valentine's on Day. Valentine's Day, yeah. I yeah. want to talk about... Uh, your president of mine, mm-hmm. Grover Cleveland. Oh yes. yes, he'd like to hit it twice, non consecutively. Yeah, I bet he would. So Grover Cleveland was, to my knowledge, and and extending that beyond that to anybody else's knowledge, the first bachelor president in the, in United States history when he was first elected, and. Uh, so yeah. He had like Budweiser posters hanging up. Yeah. And, oh yeah. I mean, he snap on posters, keg parties, you fucking know. Tinder, yeah. Tinder and Bumble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Swipe white if you like POTUS. Uh, <laughs> um. No, he was the first uh, bachelor president. So, you know, him and his bros hung out at the White House all the time. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, like you guys said, keg parties and darts and cards, mm-hmm. billiard, whatever, whatever eighteen hundreds. Yeah, whatever, whatever nineteenth century guys yeah. did back then. Uh, former county sheriffs and former mayors of Buffalo, uh, whatever they did. But then, during his first term, his sister was first lady. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sister Rose Cleveland. Okay. And uh, the United States populace was like, it's a little weird that your sister's first lady, we'd like you to have an actual first lady. And Grover was like, I can pick up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. So he entertained at the White House his former law partner, who had passed away in a carriage accident. Uh, his widow, Folsom's widow, Folsom was his, I think, Oscar. We're going to go with Oscar. We'll go with Oscar Folsom. We'll go with Oscar Folsom. Uh, Folsom's widow and her daughter uh, at the White House. And so it was announced that he was going to marry a Folsom. And everybody was like, sweet, good on you. We can't wait for this to happen. But what they were surprised to find out was that it was not Folsom's widow, 
but it was her 21-year-old daughter. Oh. While he was 49. Wow. That he was going to get married to. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, Francis. Well, there was a little bit of an age gap there. Which, yeah. What was it, acceptable back then? Oh, I don't know. Uh, even back then, I think th- there was a little bit of concern mm-hmm. for that much of an age gap. Um, when his law partner died in that carriage accident, that, that uh, aforementioned carriage accident, yeah, he did not have a will. Okay. And uh, Grover Cleveland was essentially given guardianship of, of his daughter, Frances. Mm. So... It was like essentially he married his own daughter. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, it's more than kind of. <laughs> All right. I would say it's very weird. Yeah. I think it's very strange. Um, so but so he married Francis. They had five kids. And and, and, and they lived happily ever after. Well, they, they lived happily ever after, yeah. I mean, uh, as far as you can be happy... While being first lady, non-consecutively. And, that, and that's your romantic uh, Valentine's Day story. That's my romantic Valentine's Day story. Uh, so, you know, if you're out there and, and you're thinking, um, boy, this person's too old for me, they're not. Um, if you're thinking, like, boy, this person is too close of a family friend for me, apparently they're not. If you're thinking, boy, this person... His name Grover. Well, <laughs> maybe, but it's not so bad. No. Um, what I'm just saying is, you know, give love a chance. Uh, all you need is love, and love will tear us apart. Love, love hurts. Love hurts. Reed, you got anything to add about love? Oh no, <laughs> love's a battlefield. Uh huh. Oh no! Uh, not not in the context of Grover Cleveland. Huh? No, 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 no. Uh, we we might put Grover Cleveland on a list these days, or uh, you know, actually cancel him for some of that. Yeah, no, no. I, uh, I mean, so uh, Grover Cleveland, the original Buffalo. He is That's the original Buffalo. Yeah. Him. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the original Buffalo is mm-hmm. kind of creepy and a little weird. Mm-hmm. And on that note, folks. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. I hope uh, you're with your your paramours. If not, I I hope you treat yourselves, and I hope uh, you get some good candy, the good stuff. Yeah, at least overeat candy or ice cream or something. Buy yourself some flowers, okay? It's going to be on sale. Whatever you need to get On February 15th, so, you know, get all that fucking for sale candy. Yes. Um, Yeah, no, buy, buy the cheap candy the day after. Uh, the day before, especially the chalky hearts. Yeah, the, oh, especially the chalky hearts. I mean, they're they're not Excuse any good. Vomit. They're not any good <laughs> earlier. Um, but get all your chocolate covered cherries and all your Whitman samplers on the fifteenth. Hey everyone, I'm at the real Ryan Steele on Twitter. Uh, I'm at James Tamil T as in Thomas A M as in Michael O L. As on in Twitter, love. L as in love. 
<laughs> or uh, uh, Battle Gym of the Republic. And before we go too much further, before Reed tells us to go fuck ourselves and he's never allowed to follow him on, on any social media, I do want to say happy birthday, Gavin. Today is Gavin's birthday. He's been a long-time listener and happy a big-time follower. So happy birthday, Gavin. And before I tell you to go fuck yourselves, which you can certainly all do, but yes, happy birthday, Gavin. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And follow us at Square Pod Buff on Twitter. Uh, we are the Square Podcast on Facebook. You can find us in the iTunes podcast store. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on where else, Rye? Help me out here. Google. 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 We're on Google, uh, SoundCloud. We probably should be on uh, a few other things. What's it, Stitcher? Stitcher. I got to get on that. I got to get on Stitcher for the people. You know, actually, uh, some people have told me that Spotify, they found us. They were only able to listen to us through Spotify. Mm. So there's a lot of different outlets that we're working on getting on. But yeah, we're all we're on all the big ones and we're working to get on more. So however you listen to podcasts, please, you know, the standard rate us, review us, uh, keep in touch with us, etc. All that good stuff. Share us with your friends. They probably want to listen. Yeah, I got nothing better to do. No, listen. Yeah, hey, hey, you going on your walk in the morning? Your sad COVID walk? Listen to the podcast, right? Look, you know, you're making dinner. Listen to the podcast, right? Look, if what's her name can raise seven hundred dollars for Nate, you can probably ask one of your friends to listen to the podcast. Just do it. And if you're sad and alone this Valentine's Day, you can comfort yourself with our dulcet tones mm-hmm. and share it with your other lonely friends. They we have, need, we have very nice voices. You right. need to hear our nasally buffalo accents. Just. Listen to the pod. Rate the pod. Follow the pod. All right. Love you guys.